and opening up your Bibles to 1 Timothy. Hey, if you're here for the very first time, we welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just happy you're here and you, and you made it to here this morning. And as we continue uh, in our Bible study, uh, verse by verse, we are going to be picking back up this morning in 1 Timothy chapter 5. We're taking the last section of 1 Timothy and we'll be completing 1 Timothy today. We will, um, not today I should say, we'll be com- starting to complete the last part of first. You know me too well. There's no way I'm going to make it through two chapters. <laughs> so we're just going to take the first 16 verses today of chapter 5. We'll break it in. It's in three parts of uh, chapter 5. But uh, let's pray and then we'll get into the, more of the, the details. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day you've given us, Lord. We thank you. Uh, for your grace, your mercy. We are so thankful for your mercies are new every morning. And your grace is sufficient for this day that you've given us. You've called us here, Lord. You've called us here if it's in not only in person or online. We, you've called us here. You're drawing us to you. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to the hearts of the people. Reveal what you have for them this day through the reading and the studying of your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Now, if you've been with us here, you know that Paul has given young Pastor Timothy there in Ephesus clear instruction about how he was to conduct his personal life and his ministry life. And once the minister, once the ministers of a church are doing their job properly, God's ministry can flourish if they do their part. Today we start the last section of 1 Timothy, chapters 5 and 6, and we're going to see Paul will address the ministry of the church. Now in this scripture, Paul turns to advice and suggestion to young Timothy, here this pastor Timothy at this church, and how to relate effectively to individuals within the church. How is he supposed to minister to those that God brings to this church? And we see that Paul gives Timothy some very specific things here today to address and how to, to work with the various diversity of family members in the church and how we are to treat other people the same way that we would treat members of our own family. We see that in verses 1 and 2. Then we will see and we will look at how the church is to decide who to help that is in need, verses 3 through 16. Next week, Lord willing, we will finish up chapter 5 and we'll address leadership uh, as a topic. Now the question I have for you this morning is what causes problems in churches? What is the main reason there's a problems that happen within churches? And it is because, often it is because the people or the church family attending that church not getting along with each other. Brothers and sisters do not always dwell together in unity. Psalm 133 says we should. 
But if you have a family and you have more than one child in that family, you know you work very hard daily to help them to learn to love one another unconditionally. Not just only because that they happen to be under the same roof, but they're brothers and sisters. Now, we do that from a blood perspective. Blood brothers and blood sisters, we're supposed to dwell together in unity within a family. But how much more that spiritually brothers and sisters are supposed to dwell together in unity, as the scripture says. Again, Psalm 133. Now, Paul will give Timothy specific advice on how to treat all the different types of people who gather at church. How do you treat a man versus a woman, Timothy, as a pastor? How do you treat someone who is older versus younger, Timothy? Those who are affluent versus those who are in need. How do you make these decisions, Timothy, as a pastor when these people are coming in and you must deal with these situations? And as Pastor Timothy was to set the tone and hold the line in the fellowship of the family, just like the father is to hold the tone and hold, or make, establish a tone within the family and hold the line that this is how we are to serve and to live together in unity as a family, it's the same thing as a pastor. We're to have a certain tone within the church and to hold the line of expectations that this is how we dwell together in unity and love and it starts with the pastor it starts with the father in the household and until that happens there will not be unity as the what God has intended and as pastor Timothy was to take and set this tone he will address two or we will address two of the three areas of church relationships we will first take a look at how Timothy is to confront wrongs that are happening within people in the church. They're doing some wrong things and they need to be addressed. Their behavior, their, their conduct is not in line with the scripture and they, he needs to address those things. The second thing we will take today is people who are in need and how do you make those decisions within the church of who you help and who you cannot help based on the scripture. And this is not always an easy conversation to have as a pastor, but the scripture is the scripture. We go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book for the whole counsel of God so that you do not miss out on anything. So we see here in 1 Timothy 5 verse 1, we see Paul tells Timothy how to treat men in the church. This is how the pastor is to do that. And he says right here, Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father and younger men as brothers. So Paul addresses here, right in verse 1, or this part of his letter to Timothy, addresses how to work with male gender and age. And it directs Timothy that older men are generally not to be rebuked. They're not to be corrected. But let me make sure you have clarity on what this scripture says. Because the word rebuke here is only found in the scripture in this location. And this word rebuke in the Greek means to slap. Or to harshly correct an older man. That's what he's saying. He's saying, Timothy, 
Do not rebuke an older man. Do not be really harsh and be real aggressive in correcting a wrong that this older man is doing that you must do. Because Paul is not telling Timothy that he's not to rebuke. Because we see in this scripture there are very serious reasons why you must rebuke someone or correct someone because they're not in line with the scripture. Their behavior, their attitude, whatever it may be that God says they need to correct for someone within the church. So Paul is not referring to those who hold an office of eldership or overseer. It's a different word here. He's talking about age at this point when he talks about the older man. The scripture says that a godly person will show respect to those who are aged. We see it in Leviticus 19.32. You shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man and fear your God, I am the Lord. So we are to respect older men in the church. We don't treat them like they're of, of no value. We don't treat them like they're, they don't know what's going on and they didn't have life experiences like a young man in his teenagers and in, in, in early 20s. But we're to respect the older men. We also see in Proverbs 16.31, the silver-haired head is a crown of glory and it is found in the way of righteousness. So for those of you, you, you guys who dye your hair, I don't know why you would want to take away the honor that should be there. The gray hair is supposed to bring you some acknowledgement for you, young, uh, for you older men. But there's another reason to exhort rather than rebuke an older man. And it may be simply because that older man is not able to to receive a rebuke from a, some young whippersnapper who's a, a pastor that happens to be 20, 30 years younger than he is. <laughs> young man, what are you, you're, you're 30s, you're 40s, and you're 50s, and 60s, and you're just, you're just growing up. Don't talk to me like that when I'm 70s, 80s, and 90s, and 100. That could be another reason why Paul is saying to Timothy, don't be so aggressive in your young man's status and think you know it all because you haven't lived full life yet. So be very careful. You better exhort, encourage the older man to make correction versus being too direct and aggressive and harsh in your correction to an older man. And so we take a look here the command is not that Timothy, again, must never rebuke an older man, but that he was not to strike an older man with an overly harsh rebuke. We'll get to 1 Timothy 5.20 next week, that Timothy is told there at times when not only an elder should be rebuked, but times when he should be rebuked publicly. And therefore, in this verse, Timothy is not being told he can't rebuke. It's just the appropriateness and accordingly based on what you're rebuking or encouraging the older man to do differently. Now, no one likes a rebuke. No one likes to be corrected by someone else. It's a pride issue. 
<laughs> so, you know, I don't like to be told. And that's a bigger problem that you have if you don't like to be rebuked appropriately, scripturally based. And so by the wise person uses the rebuke, though, as a viable, valuable means to learn to grow. If God is using someone who he's called to pastorship or eldership position and God has called you to the church, then God wants to use that man in your life, even if you're an older man or a younger man, to be able to help you in your growth. And so in the process of fellowship, you say something that doesn't line up with the scripture, then the pastor's responsibility out of truth, out of, with love, is to share what the scripture says to you about that subject. Now, depending on where you're at, if you're, you receive that you're not so, so pig-headed as they call it around here, or the scripture talks about stiff-necked or hard-hearted, you will receive and realize God was using that man in your life, even if he's younger as a pastor, to encourage you to think biblically, not worldly or fleshly. And so you have to settle that with the Lord, because if you don't receive, if he's done it in truth and love, and it's scriptural base, and you're older, then you probably have a bigger problem than just having to be corrected by some little thing. You probably have a bigger issue with your heart that you have to settle with the Lord. But we see here that Paul is telling, again, Paul older than Timothy, how he must work with older men. Treat him like a father. Come alongside. Try to encourage him to understand what the scripture says about the topic at hand. And exhort him, encourage him to do that. Like help, like a coach helping an athlete. A good coach knows exactly where to, and how much they can push that athlete to its peak performance. But a coach can push to a point where you will stop an athlete to be able to perform. There is that, that balance that must take place as a coach. But he also, Paul says to Timothy, uh, to Timothy here in the writing, that how to treat younger men, and they are to be treated as brothers, like fellow workers, friends in the work of the gospel. Buds are coming alongside each other in the trenches, working hard, doing the things they need to do, has this friendship, able to jostle back and forth. You know how you ever see guys get together and brothers, and especially if you haven't seen it happen with my brothers all the time. When I came back from the military and you see them, the first thing we want to do is almost like, okay, we're, we're going to show each other's love without hitting each other because mom says we can't hit, hit, each, hit each other. So we'll just kind of wrestle a little bit and we just kind of jostle a bit and give a little shove at the refrigerator to get the food before them. It's just a way, it's that love of just, you know, how an older brother and a younger brother can work together to, to show love and to correct. Or how, how love, they know that, yeah, that's my brother. He's just, he's just speaking real to me here. And no one else would say that to me, but my brother, I'll, I'll receive it from my brother. So that's how Timothy was supposed to communicate to someone in a younger man. 
Now, Paul continues here in verse 2, and he talks about the women now, how to treat women in the church. And it says, older women as mothers and younger as sisters with all purity. So Paul here says, now, working with older women in the church, you're to treat the older woman like she's a mother, a devotion, a tenderness, a caring, caring for your mother, protective of your mother. That is the heart, the attitude, Timothy, you must have working with older women in the church. You just want to care for them. You want to devote to them. You want to, to protect them, be available to them. And if you need to rebuke her because she's not speaking clarity of truth of the scripture, she's off a little bit in how she's, her behavior, her conduct, don't be going in there and being harsh. <laughs> That'd be foolish, Timothy. That'd be very foolish, Timothy. You should caring and comforting and, de and devotion to her to help her to understand what the scripture says. And appreciate her like you appreciate your mother. Now, also, I believe what t Paul is also telling Timothy, and Timothy experiences as a pastor, as all pastors do, that you, you have to understand, Timothy, that you have to appreciate to some amount of mothering from the older women in the congregation. Once a mother, always a mother. And an older mother was going to want to come and she may mother you a little bit, and you should receive that kind of love from her in regards to being a young pastor there in the church. And it's proper to give them the caring devotion as such. Now, when it comes to the younger women, Paul adds a little bit at the very end of verse 2 that younger uh, women as sisters with all purity because... Paul is saying to young Timothy as a pastor, hey, when you're working with young women, someone younger than you, you need to understand she's your sister. And not only is she sister, and you're supposed to communicate like she's your sister and a God, as a godly man, but make sure, Timothy, that you don't find yourself conducting your behavior when you're working with the younger women in the church. Make sure it's always with a pure and above reproach way with the younger women. Make sure that a godly man is not flirtatious or a provocative in your word or action when it comes to younger women in the church, Timothy. As a pastor, you must be on guard. It goes two ways. Obviously, young women are not to be uh, provocative or flirtatious to a single or married older pastor in the congregation. But more importantly, this is what Paul is saying to Timothy as your role as a pastor. You must not come across flirtatious or provocative in any way or form to the younger girls. Even if you think you're a hip 50-year-old pastor or a 40-year-old pastor and you've got the tight jeans and the leather jackets and you've got the hair slicked back and you've got the guitar and you're pastoring and you're just... And all the girls are, you know, the younger women there... It does not give you 
any leeway whatsoever in how you are to act differently or inappropriately with younger women in the congregation. That's what Paul's saying to Timothy. Or you're just asking for major problems. And so Paul is sitting there, and that is a, 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 so important in the churches today. When I go to, um, and I get together with my brothers at the senior pastors conference and pastors leader conferences, one of the biggest dangers is how that pastor steps out of line and doesn't see the younger women as sisters. I assure you, if you keep your eye on the younger women as sisters, you would never say and do the things you're thinking with a sister. So that's why Paul makes it very simple. And it doesn't pertain, to, again, my brothers and sisters, it doesn't, my brothers, let me speak to my brothers. It doesn't pertain just to me as well as a pastor. It pertains to you as well. This application is for you. The, 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 in, the, in the scriptures here, it's, it's more specifically to Timothy because Timothy was to set the tone and hold the line on this principle of truth. So in my demonstration of how I treat younger women in this church, you men must watch my example of how I communicate and work with younger women in the church. And how I communicate with the older men, younger men, older women, younger women. That is my role that God has called me to do. And I hope you will follow. We see here now, he now moves to the next subject, Paul, to Timothy, and how to treat widows and those in need. Verses here, we'll start in verse 3. He says, honor widows who are really widows. And this is a general principle that you must understand that the pastors are to follow and how to provide helping hand or helping needing those who are needing uh, and how to appropriately when and when not to do that. And there's guidance God gives us here in the scriptures. And he starts here honoring widows who are really widows, which means there are widows who are not widows. Right? (laughs) That's That's the scripture. It's pretty clear. So when you take a look at this, in the days of the New Testament, when the New Testament was written, there was no social assistance in the communities that were written. Not like today. Anyone who's in need and, and, and people who are widows, they, there's probably some kind of assistance by some government system at some level of county, state, or federal that you probably can get assistance from. But that was not true at the time in the churches that we're reading about here. In that day, there was only one especially vulnerable class, and that was widows. Someone who had no children and no husband to help be there available for her to provide for her. Elderly widows who were without means of support from a husband or from grown-up children without any relatives there available These are those who are really widows. That's what Paul is saying here. Now, the word here 
one meaning is to really is, is, is about to honor those widows, those truly widows. To honor them, that, that means to, to support and sustain, to help them in this time of need. And the principle revealed here is extremely relevant even till today because when many look to the church as a place of a way to get some money in their time of need, because they've exhausted all other government assistant programs, they always have a tendency to turn to the church to figure out how to get the money from the church to help them. It's, it's reality. It's, it's the way it is. Everyone thinks somehow we're some cash cow. They've drained all the other cows of the government, and now it's time to come to the church. But what happens is any pastor can give you many, many stories about strangers who call the church. And they have the most saddest of stories in how they need assistance. And any pastor can tell you how hard it is to make the decision if we're going to be able to support them or not. Now, in just the almost 10 years that we've been in this, started this new ministry here, We've had at least two significant calls that were both the same type of call. Is the pastor available? Well, I can take your message and I can give it to him or I'll, I'll write it down. What do you need? Well, I'm stranded at a hotel and I need someone to, to pay for the hotel. Are you passing through? Are you part of a church family somewhere? And they're always, they're Christian, but they can't tell you what their church name is or the pastor's name. That's usually a first clue. And it kind of goes on, and, or I need to get back because I have an elderly person on the West Coast and, or Hawaii, and we need a, money for the plane ticket to be, go back because it's, it's the funeral or something to that effect. Well, we always ask the questions, okay, who died and where are they located? And let me look it up and let me go verify. No, 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 you won't know anything about them in Hawaii. They're on a remote island, you know. You know, never to be found. They don't have, te they don't have phones. Well, back in the days of 20 years ago, that was true when I got a call like that. I couldn't get all of them because they didn't have phones. But today everyone has a cell phone. <laughs> That's how people survive today. But Paul is saying to them, there is a widow and then there's are not widows. There's widows because they have no, they have tremendous need, they have true need, but they have no husband, they have no children, they have no relatives, nothing, no one to help them during this elderly widow place they find themselves in. Paul says, these are the ones that you are to help, Timothy. These are the ones you need to help. Those who are really widows, we're to they're to receive honor and they're to help in with financial support because that's what the context of the meaning of this scripture is, is they need financial help. And they need to have it in, far, in with a dignified and honorable way you are to do that. Now he goes on with this 
in verses 4 through 6, and it tells how those who are really widows are not. It says in verse 4, But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. Verse 5, now she who is really a widow and left alone trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. Now, this is a loaded two verses. If you really take this apart a little bit, so let's, let's methodically go through this so we can bring clarity for you all so you can understand what Paul was trying to say here. Because it, you just don't support just any widow. Because if you're a widow and you have children and grandchildren, they have an obligation scripturally to support you. They're to help you. They're to help you. That's where you're supposed to go to. Now, let them first learn to show that what is necessary, the honor, the, the, the to bestow upon you, <coughs> in your position of the fact that you're mother or grandmother, but you're a widow and you need help. But he says here, let them first learn to show the piety at home and to repay their parents. So there is an expectation from God. <laughs> I think I should underline this verse and highlight it and somehow send it on a regular basis to the kids, you know. That you, you, it reminds you that you're, you're supposed to repay your parents. I love that verse. I, I don't know if it's quoted enough by fathers, but, uh, but uh, it should be. But it reminds us of the ongoing responsibility of adult children have toward their parents and grandparents. <laughs> should I repeat that, fathers? You know, because it's and mothers. You know, should I repeat this because it's so important? Because I think we lose track of understanding of God's expectation as a family. Remember, just because there are today several institutions that can support that widow in time of their need does not relieve your responsibility as a family member of a loving obligation that God sets. Go back and I'll give you the verses, moms and dads, so you can hold on to these. Go back, you can go Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. And then some of you are going to say, well, that's the Old Testament. How about, if it's in the New Testament, then I believe, okay, let me give you the New Testament version. That's Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. And both say... Honor your father and mother. It's still in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. So just in case you kids were trying to get around it. But he says, trust in God. Now he gives a very specific of those who are truly widows and the definition of a really a widow. And look at the qualifications or the characteristics, I should say, godly characteristics of a real widow. That he, Timothy is supposed to support in financial support from the church. Look at what the qualifications. They're left alone. That's the first qualification that Timothy is supposed to do. If this widow comes in and says, I have nothing, I need help financially. The first question, are you all alone? Yes. Okay. 
The next one is, do you trust in God? Do you have a relationship with God? Do you believe in God? Now, let me tell you as a pastor, every single person who tells me they know God. Okay? The next qualification continues in supplication and prayers. This is a praying woman or a praying man, a widow, a widower. They're, they're praying. They, they have a heart for God and they seek God. And I love the verse here. Notices it doesn't say that she prays day and night, does it? The scripture says she prays night and day. You know why? Because if you truly are a widow, you have very difficulty sleeping at night. And so Paul is saying, these women are so godly and trusting in God, that when they are not able to sleep at night, they're praying. They're praying from night, maybe into dawn. Now, when you look and you see a person like this, this really a widow, this qualification or this characteristics of this person who truly trusts in God and their life is reflected of that, they're not waking up and can't sleep and they turn to the TV. Let me turn on my TV and I'll just fall asleep watching TV. That is not a godly woman. That's seeking God in the situation she finds herself that is in need, a financial need. No, she turns to prayer from night to day. She goes to her knees and intercedes for those who are hurting. She's interceding for those in her family. She's interceding because maybe the family is, she has family, but they're not willing to help her. But I find that nighttime with the Lord allows you to focus on Him and Him alone. When you're in darkness and you have no distractions, it's amazing how God shows up in that time with you. Not only to allows you to focus on Him in nighttime, but that is when you'll find you will do the best battle against the enemy. You will go to battle against the enemy at nighttime. And to receive insight from God in a way unlike at any other time of the day, you will be hearing the voice of God as you read the word of God and in prayer. I encourage you, my brothers and sisters, do not waste the evening nighttime by turning on some entertainment if you have things in your life which we all do use that time of darkness as a quietness a stillness of the air to seek the, for the things of God draw close to him in that time but he gives a warning at the end of the verse 6 or uh, verse 6 he, she, he says but she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. 
And it happens. It's, it, it does happen if you've ever ministered to those widows who are maybe in um, uh, a convalescent home or a assistant living homes or stuff like that, and you've ever gone into visitations, you see this played out as a pastor. <laughs> you, you really do. And you realize there's, there seems to be a spunk of something. And, but Paul talks about she loves pleasure even at age 90. She <laughs> seems to have enough energy to, 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 to flirt with you as a pastor when you come visit her. It's, it's, it's happened. But, um, but Paul says here, those who should be legitimately helped by the church, legitimately helped by the church, must have godly lives. They must have godly lives. It's a, it is a, it's, it's appropriate for Timothy as a pastor when he asks questions of those asking for financial need if you're living a godly life or not. So you won't receive financial assistance from the church if you're not living a godly life. That's what Paul is saying to Timothy. That's what the scripture is saying. Because here he says she is living in pleasure. A life lived for mere pleasure is easy. But it's no life at all, Paul says. She might be looking for pleasure. She is sat there and she finds herself in her life and she now has to look back from her young life all the way to now as a widow of an older life of some widow status and we find that she's going to sit there and she's lived for pleasure. She's lived to drink the alcohol. She's lived to do the drugs or, or lived to whatever she's tried to fill in her life for pleasure. Traveled the world, bought all kinds of things. Has 200 pairs of shoes plus in her closets because she lived for pleasure. Material things. Now she finds herself in need. And she now thinks the church needs to help her because she continues to live in pleasure. It's legitimate for that pastor to say no to that person. Not easy, but it's scriptural. Now in verse 7 and 8, we see some provision that Paul gives here and how... Timothy is to react to this information. He says, And these things command that they may be blameless. But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. <laughs> and you thought the verses were going to get simpler. It gets even more direct. Because he sits there and tells Timothy, these things command a good pastor. Timothy will teach these things so all will know what God expects of them. That's why I teach it. Because that is what God expects of me to do as a pastor is to teach you these things, what the scripture says. And if anyone does not provide for his own, God's normal way of providing for people in life 
to provide for those in the position they find themselves in a needy position is not through the church, but through his own hard work. It starts with hard work. That's what the scripture says. They're capable of hard work, they're capable of working, but they choose not to work. They do not get supported by the church. And he says there, Paul says to Timothy, not only do you not support them because they're not willing to work and to be able to provide for themselves, but they actually had denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And these are the strongest of terms you can find when you look in the scriptures. Paul is emphasizing the responsibility of a man to provide for his family. And if he does not provide for his family, he is denying the faith and worse than an unbeliever. Now, how many of you would say it? Um, don't say amen, please. How many times I have met young men and older men who have chosen that they don't feel like working. And I always ask them, but God's called you to work, man. But you don't understand, Pastor. I've got an ingrown toenail. Well, you want me to chop it off so it frees you from it so you can go back to work? What? I'll take the excuse away. Because the scripture, I'm trying to, that's, that's a rebuke. That's what, that's what you would, I wouldn't do to an older man. I wouldn't have said it like that to an older man. I would have been more encouraging. I understand things are difficult. And I know it's hard as an older man to get back out there in the workforce. But what can I do to help you, come alongside you, can I, can I let the brothers know in the congregation that you're looking for something to do to help your financial position for your family? I'm willing to do what I need to do. Have you ever written a resume? I'm willing to sit down and help you write a resume. Do, do you need a good suit? I guarantee you I can find you a nice suit that will make you look so good for those interviews. What can I do to help you? Do you see that the encouragement of that to an older gentleman? But if it's a younger brother, I'm going to slap you upside the head. And then teach you how to do a resume and put the suit on and tie their, your tie for the very first time in your life as 30 years of age. And I'll take you to the interviews. I'll coach you through the interviews after I slap you all the way there. Because you're lazy or not, you want to play your game systems at age 30 and live in the basement of your parents. Now that's rebuke. Do you see the difference? Paul's not messing around, and I don't mess around. If you've been around me long enough, you know I don't mess around. Because I understand what the scripture says here. Because you, in a position where you have a family, you are denying the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Those are serious words. Do you understand that? I hope you have a fear of God when you hear those things. I do. Because I believe what the word of God says. I hope you do. Get out and work. And provide for your family. 
That is how God says it works. Now understand, there are times where you, something's happened and you are not physically able to work. I understand that. But that's not what Paul is talking about. We're talking about abled bodies to be able to, who can work and can find something to do, even if it's not the ideal job and it's not what you feel like doing and it's really inconvenience. And do you understand the season? It's hunting season. I, I don't think I need to hunt right now and look for a new job because I'm really... Oh, you know. You, you, obviously, you don't come to see me. You'll go find another brother who's more like-minded and find comfort from him. And that brother may not tell you what the scripture says, but I will. Why? Because I, I love you. And life is fragile, man. Don't, don't, don't go against the scripture. Because that's the minimum that God is expecting as a Christian man to do is to work. That's just the minimum. You think you're all stressed out because you got a job. That's minimum of what God's called you to do. That's why we must know the scriptures and we must apply the scriptures to your life. Verses 9. How we're to help older widows. Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number and not unless she has been the wife of one man well reported for good works if she has brought up children if she has lodged strangers if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. Woo, women, you are just, this is such a calling for hard, for hard, hard work for a woman. But Paul says here, do not let a woman, a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number, meaning if she's 60 or younger, don't bring her into the number of the real widows who have no one and they're over 60, they're older generation. She's 60 or younger. She's, she's young enough to go work and make her own money. She's able to go get remarried. She's able to find another way. The church is not to provide the support of long-term support for that person because she's still young. And the idea is that someone sometimes when you get to a certain age think you're just too old now to, to start over or to get back out there in the workforce or to remarry even though you have the passion you desire to be, to be with someone. But notice here of a good report. Notice that well reported of good works. She's willing to do good works. Do what God's called her to do. She's, she's brought up children. 
She's raised children up. She's taken those who are even strangers and lodged them. She's been working hard her whole life as a woman. She's been raising children. She's been taking and lodging strangers who are in need and need a place to stay. Washing the seats of uh, uh, the saints' feet who are need them. Remember, that was the most dirtiest of jobs was to, rid, uh, to wash someone's feet. She was willing to do whatever it took in regards as a woman there she's been going and going here she has even relieved the afflicted someone who's probably hurt she's put a lot of band-aids on boo-boos all of her life as a woman she's cared for people who were afflicted and had a temperature and going through pregnancies and she was there for them to help them through those difficult times and she was diligent it wasn't a one-time deal. She was diligently following every good work that God had brought her way to do. Those were the widows who were accepted into the support of the church. Those who were in need and support from the church. But they must have godly character. Look at the character of that woman and what she did in her lifetime as she was raising, being, growing up or maturing as a woman. Tremendous godly characteristics. Now we see in verses 11 through 16 how Timothy is to be helping younger widows. It says, But refuse the younger widows, for when they have been begun to grow wanton against Christ, they desire to marry, having con condemnation because they have cast off their first faith. There's a general rule that Timothy has to learn here in the pastorage position he finds himself in, that these younger widows that show up were not to be added to the church support role because they generally could provide for themselves as a younger woman and they could remarry but Paul isn't condemning young women or young widows at all here he's just bringing clarity of who the church can help and who the church can't help for wanting because these women who are still young these young widows can remarry and they are not to take advantage of or to in some way um, not have their priorities straight in regards to how they have expectations of the church of how they're going to be provided for. We see here that this desire, at some point, as Paul is saying, these young women are going to desire to be married, and they're always going to have that desire because they maybe became a widow of unexpected widow. Remember, back in these days, your life expectancy was not, what, 60s, 70s, and 80s, were they? Your husband would die in their 30s, in his 40s. Maybe to the 50s. So she was still young to be able to remarry. So Paul said, don't take the incentive away by providing everything for her. Make sure she's looking to make sure she works because she's young. And two, she remarries. Because she's going to be looking to remarry. So what happens is, is that when we, Paul is 
looking and seeing these unmarried women are so hungry for marriage and companionship that they must and they want a relationship. And these feelings can become overwhelming for a woman. He says, be very careful because these younger women can bring to a point of condemnation upon themselves and really cast off their first faith, their trust in God. They're going to find themselves in a bad romance or spoil a friendship of somewhere and desperately trying to needily, needily looking for a relationship as a widow. And Paul says it's a very common occurrence, Timothy. Be very careful when you're making a decision to bring this young widow on because she should be working. She should have her priorities on God and wait for God to then, you know, bring her another husband. But be very careful. There's a tendency where she might get so wrapped up in wanting to be married that she will make bad choices in romance and uh, her relationships and friendships that she has. Verse 13, and besides they learn to be idle. Here's another warning that Paul gives Timothy that happens to young widows. That have no, they have no responsibility. They don't have children to raise. They don't have a husband to, t- uh, to support and to, to be a helper of. She's, she's a widow, right? So Paul says, be careful because in verse 13, besides they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house and not only idle but also gossips and busybodies saying things which they ought not. Therefore, verse 14, I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary uh, adversary to speak reproachfully and verse 15, for some have already turned aside after Satan. I look at that and I summarize it this way, ladies. God has called you to a very important ministry. And if you're able to remarry, you should remarry. And then when you do that, you're going to raise children and take care of a husband, you're going to take care of a household, you're going to be working and busy of all the things that a woman of a household does from dawn to to dust, right, and beyond. What is a danger if you don't have a ministry as a woman, if you're just idle and have, I'm just going to let someone take care of me, the church will take care of me, the government will take care of me, I'm going to do nothing. You are at risk of what Paul says here of you're going to be idle and you're going to be wandering from house to house because you're looking for some relationships to to meet with and talk to, right? And when you find yourself, you're going to be gossiping and busybodies and you're going to be doing things that's going to turn you away from the things of God in verse 15 and turn aside after Satan, meaning dark things, ungodly things you're going to be turned to that if you're not careful as a woman so again he's it's just a warning why it's important that you understand and to be involved in a life of ministry as a woman in the lives of children a husband 
or the church in some form or fashion and capacity where you are just serving God so that you're not prone to these, these uh, sinful things. And then finally, and we'll close here in verse 16. If any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them, and do not let the church be burdened, that it may relieve those who are really widows. So Paul here concludes with the principle, and he alludes to it three times in our verses, verses 4, 5, and, and 8 as well, that the first responsibility for support is at the home and the church is to support the truly destitute who are godly and has no one and nothing. So again, Paul has made it very clear today how he's supposed to, Timothy, or a pastor, is to interrelate and, and interact with not only older and younger men and women, but also those who have, have something or those in need, specifically the widows. And the difference between what is really a widow versus a perceived widow that just is in a tough situation at that moment in time and how to address it biblically in God's way. Why? Because God knows what's best. And that's why we study the scriptures and apply it.